1: Good morning, good morning. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show and we are here again to discuss your health and today a very, very important topic and we want you all to listen up because we are going to be discussing the infamous or maybe famous ADHD, because it seems that if you're not ADHD, there's something wrong with you today, because everybody's walking around with that condition, right, Peggy? Well, if you're not a child being diagnosed with ADHD, or an adult being diagnosed <laughs> these days with ADHD, too. Yeah, we're blaming a lot of our lives over ADHD, and so we are going to be unpacking it, particularly from the child perspective. We have the one and only beloved and most respected pediatrician in Johannesburg, South Africa. That is Dr. Jack Castle. We have actually missed him. He has been uh, roaming the many countries of the world, doing what he loves best, being with his family. But we're really great and grateful. We're very happy that he's back with this family, the Healthy You, Wealthy You family. And um, we are going to have this discussion on what is the definition of the ADHD and how can we manage it in a more holistic way? If you have any questions or comments, please remember that you can SMS us on three four five one nine or our Telegram number on zero six one eight nine five one zero one nine. Good morning, Dr. Castle.
0: Morning, Frankie. Morning, Adol.
1: It's great to have you back, Dr. Castle. Yes, and welcome I'm,
0: back. Missed you. I feel very uh, elevated being back and. I'm discussing a subject today which is really close to my heart and was for is certainly the last uh, 15 or 20 years of my practice, ADHD. What I'm going to try to do today is iron out some of the misconceptions and <clears throat> do what I've always practiced in medicine, let the medicines come lost, isolate the causes, The art of medicine, remember, is knowing when not to prescribe or knowing when and how to prescribe, not just prescribing. And this applies particularly to ADHD. I must obliterate one misconception. The term ADHD is now a fixed term. We no longer talk about ADD because ADD is part of ADHD, as you will see later. ADHD is a chronic condition that affects millions of children, often continuing into adulthood. Estimates suggest that between 4 and 12% of children have ADHD, depending on their country and their environment. Boys are two to three times more likely to be affected by ADHD with a hyperactivity, an impulsive type of ADHD, in other words, the combined type, they are more likely to be affected with this than girls. Girls usually exhibit the inattentive type. ADHD is a combination of persistent problems, including difficulty in sustaining attention or inattention, disorganization, poor study skills, and hyperactivity with or without impulsive behaviour. Those are the, that's the spectrum of ADHD. The symptoms of hyperactivity are almost always apparent by the age of seven years and may even start in the preschool child. But not always uh, the, the, is the diagnosis made in the preschool child directly. Attention deficit hyperactivity disorder may also not be evident until the child is unable to meet the expectations of educators and parents, in spite of their high IQ. Under these circumstances, medication may be helpful. Symptoms, as we have said, are more prevalent in males than in females, and the behaviours can be different in boys and girls. Boys tend to be more hyperactive than girls. The three predominant symptoms, and I will discuss these a little more fully now, are first of all predominantly inattentive people. They have difficulty remaining focused. They make careless mistakes at school, fail to organize their schoolwork properly and their chores, dislike tasks that require mental effort, e.g. homework, and are easily distractible. This mainly relates to problems going on in the prefrontal cortex of the brain. Then we come to the next two uh, two and three symptoms of ADHD. Hyperactivity and impulsivity. They are usually linked, and this refers to the midbrain. Difficulty in remaining seated in the classroom or similar situations in constant motion, They run around inappropriately. They constantly take talking or intruding on people's conversations, games, and activities. They are unable totally to regulate their own behavior. The combined type of ADHD is by far the commoner type and is characterized by impulsive and hyperactive behavior, as well as the inattention, distractibility, lack of planning, and disorganization. Now, to understand this a little more fully, you must understand that there are two areas of the brain involved. The one is the prefrontal cortex, and the other is the striatum of the brain, which is the midbrain. In the primary inattentive subtype, the problems are in the prefrontal cortex. The brain region involved in planning, setting goals, decision making, problem solving, the focus of attention and self-control. In the primary hyperactive or with impulsive type, the problem in the brain region in the brain region is the striatum, the midbrain, which is involved in motor control, learning, memory, uh, <clears throat> habit formation, and certain cognitive functions, such as dis- attention, decision making. And learning and retaining learning. They're completely different. But I'll outline to you the main neuro, the main pathology that occurs in ADHD. Electrical impulses and ordinary impulses have to pass between the synapses of the brain in the midbrain and in the prefrontal lobe. And the precipitation of these electrical impulses is facilitated by a hormone called dopamine, which is known as the happy hormone. As dopamine falls in the brain or is abnormally removed, so the dopamine fails to act and you start getting all the symptoms of ADHD depending on which areas the dopamine is deficient. You have to note over here that the first possible error that is made in HDAD is that most healthy children, particularly in the first six years of life, go through periods of inattention, hyperactivity, impulsiveness at one time or another in their lives. This is typical of preschool children, and children should never be classified as having ADHD simply because their behaviour is different from their siblings or peers. Children who experience challenges at school, but are fine at home and with friends, they have another diagnosis other than ADHD. And likewise with children who are hyperactive or inattentive at home, but whose schoolwork and friendships remain intact, are also not necessarily ADHD. This is where the great mistakes are made in diagnosis. The great mistakes are made in diagnosis.
1: We are speaking to Dr. Dr. Cussell, can we just pause over there? We are speaking to Dr. Cussell about ADHD, um, something that is very, very common and and most people know about it. If you have a question, or a comment for Dr. Kassel, 34519 is our SMS line, 0618951019 is our telegram number.
0: This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adel Kasolski and Fagy Stern.
1: We're speaking to Dr. Castle about ADHD and before we continue with our discussion, Dr. Kassel, um, The question that I wanted to ask you is, why did you say initially in the beginning that the the diagnosis of ADD has been basically laid to the side and you only get ADHD? Are you saying now that if somebody has attention deficit, it always will come with some type of hyperactivity? What's made that change?
0: The change is that ADD is actually the first the first symptom of ADHD, it's where the prefrontal cortex is involved, there's inattention. there's no hyperactivity, there's no impulsivity. So ADD is actually the first recognized symptom of ADHD. It's part of ADHD. And ADD is much commoner in girls, it's much commoner in the school age when they start to not... Uh, they don't start to shine at school. They can't match up to their IQ. That's ADD. They have attention deficit disorder, but they don't have the hyperactivity and the impulsivity. So if we go by our pathology in the brain, these are ADHDs affecting the prefrontal cortex. It's part (laughs) of ADHD.
1: You mean I ADD? You yes, said ADD. Okay. ADD so you can have, so to speak, ADD without the hyperactivity. hyper-activity.
0: Yes. Of course you can, and it's, it's far commoner in females. And it's only recognized when educators with the school at a parent's evening starts telling the mother your child is not working to her full potential. We find she doesn't concentrate well. We find she's not getting the mark she should be getting. That's ADD. You start looking out for ADD.
2: I think the interesting thing is, though, Doctor Castle, is that girls naturally don't move as much as boys do. So it's almost like the same diagnosis, but just different symptoms.
0: It is different symptoms because males tend to be more hyperactive. They tend to be more impulsive. You're quite correct.
2: Like girls yeah. actually want to, they want to achieve and they want to do well. So I think yes, it's probably like...
0: Much more focused. Anyway, let's get on with it. Now, the key element in diagnosis, and please remember this, everybody, is that the symptoms must significantly impair the adaptive functions of the child, both at home and at school. It's no good saying my child is doing this at home and the school says he's normal or the other way round, which is very common, when the school says he's abnormal and he's perfectly normal at home. That is not a diagnosis of ADHD. It has to be persistent in both places, and what's more important is it's not made on the basis of one or two observations. The, the classic world acceptance of ADHD, now the definition is that the symptoms have to be persistent for at least six months before you make decisions as to therapy and these things. So it's not just a question of popping a pill into the child's mouth and hoping that he'll he'll start behaving at school and he'll start behaving at home. It has to be a very carefully made diagnosis. The most important part of my talk is going to be on the causes of ADHD. And that will come last. Because the three causes that I'm going to d- discuss and to first of all outline to you that the air that causes of ADHD to this day are still not clear. So we're treating something where we don't know what the real cause is and therefore we're treating signs and maybe not treating correctly, let's put it that way in some cases. The causes are genetic, they're environmental, they're dietary, they're food, they're vitamins, they're all the factors that influence the brain in its development and its functioning. They are problems in the brain occurring at key moments of development that may play a role such as distortions at home uh, and and the like, and also meningitises and encephalitis and prematurity, which may all play a role in causing ADHD. So it's it's not simple. Now the major complications of ADHD are challenges in the classroom with academic failure. That's the main challenge. Inability to appropriate interpret social skills very very important these children get judged by other children leading to their poor self-esteem the hyperactive child will tend to be active and injury prone and they all tend to have learning disabilities if it's still not picked up in the school-going age then there's an increased risk of delinquent behavior if not spotted and controlled and drugs and all the things that are so bad in their environment today. So it's an ongoing process. You've got to arrest it at some stage. And again, not just think you can arrest it with medications. You've got to arrest it in the ways that I'm going to outline to you. ADHD is one of the most researched fields in childhood mental health. However, the precise cause is still unknown. We do know what happens. It's a biological disorder of the brain, where low levels of a brain chemical known as dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter, influences the supply of impulses to those areas of the brain that are characteristically linked to the symptoms of ADHD. In other words, the dopamine gets low in the prefrontal cortex, and it gets low in the midbrain and interferes with the normal passage of impulses. Brain imaging and scanning shows that the brain metabolism in children with ADHD is lower in the areas of the brain that control attention, social judgment movement memory and learning which is exactly what we're saying most parents will seek help when their child's symptoms begin to interfere with their learning and adjustments to the expectations of the school and age-appropriate activities but this is where you have to intervene intelligently An evaluation should include reports from the teachers of inattention, poor academic progress and social development, assessment by an educational and or clinical psychologist, psychological counseling for parents and child, in other words, family therapy, and above all, the correct nutrition and factors that may influence brain development. Medication are deliberately left to last. The treatment. Psychostimulants are highly effective in children with ADHD. The treatment is used to balance the chemicals in the brain that inhibit the child's ability from maintaining an attention and also in controlling his impulses. They may be used to reduce the major characteristics of ADHD. But leave out the drugs now. Try to work out why dopamine may be low in the midbrain and why it may be low in the prefrontal cortex. You only have to look at our method of life, the way we all live today. We live on a TV set, on video games, and on all sorts of rubbish that clouds our brain and our memory areas of the brain. And remember, that rubbish also gets absorbed by the midbrain, and therefore it phases out the real messages that need to be absorbed, which is learning, social development. The midbrain doesn't differentiate, and dopamine doesn't differentiate. It transmits these impulses, and if a child spends four hours a day Playing video games, well, that's what he's going to learn to do. That's his memory. That's that's how his dopamine works. Right. So it it won't help to give him stimulants and all sorts of things to try and correct that. You've got to correct his method of behaviour. Likewise, with nutrition of the brain, you've got to correct the correct nutrition of the brain. Just to digress for a mo- moment, you see what's happening in Israel now, where. <clears throat> The other condition that is associated with anxiety and depression and lack of serotonin is now being treated with diet. It's being treated by olive oil pills. And instead of using the extremely, what I consider extremely harmful antidepressants, simply swallowing an olive oil tablet may cure your depression or anxiety. So this is where ADHD needs to go. You need to elicit the exact causes of what is clouding that brain and sending the wrong impulses through the midbrain and through the prefrontal cortex. And that may be a long-standing problem. It may be the whole, the child's whole lifestyle, how he lives in the home, how he lives with his parents. Uh, it may be the environmental factors that influence him at home, such as alcohol, drugs, abuse of the parents. There are, there are thousands of postulated causes of ADHD, not just one specific cause. But we today still, uh, incorrectly in my opinion, tend to rely purely on the psychostimulants. There's no doubt that they're highly effective in children with ADHD. The treatment is used to balance the chemicals in the brain that inhibit the child's ability from maintaining attention and also in controlling impulses. They may be used to reduce the major characteristics of ADHD. Medications that are commonly used, and I'll just mention them briefly, are Ritalin and Concerto. Doses of stimulant medication should be timed to match the child's needs. In other words, the medication must be used intermittently rather than constantly, and it should be used only uh, during the week, not on weekends and not on school holidays. The side effects of these drugs should be discussed with your practitioner. There are side effects, although some claim that they are minimal. The side effects that they can produce are lack of appetite, appetite, poor growth, and even palpitations. An important factor.
1: Dr. Kussel, can we just take a step back? Um, I was watching, I think I was listening to a podcast, um, and they were saying they did a study um, overseas, and they took, I don't know, maybe two or 300 children who were all diagnosed with ADHD. And all they did, so they they all had all the symptoms. There was the inattentiveness. There was the hyperactivity. There was the impulsiveness. They were all over the place. And what they did is they went and they changed their diet. Okay, they took away all preservatives, all addeds additives, all colorants, refined carbohydrates, sugar, all the stuff that 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 I, we are coming to understand, like and sugar a, is a huge one, you know, a, a, affect affect us in a negative way. Three months later, seventy five percent of those children were cured cured of their ADHD. It absolutely and categorically disappeared. So what they were trying to go and say is that if you just go and give your kid the right nutrition, the healthy nutrition, like you don't put your kid, and I know, I know I had this, this, I had this battle with myself bringing up my kids and it's, it's, it's a discussion I have now with my grandkids. It is, and we acknowledge just because of the lives that we lead, much harder, you know, to sit down and give your kid a healthy breakfast than just put a box of cereal and some milk. In front of them, you know, and get them off to school. But I think that there is a, this, this incidence of ADHD has become so high now just simply because that's what we do in the morning. Then we pack their school lunches with, with, with chips and, and chocolates and, 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 and cold drinks. And then, you know, they come back and you give them a quick snack and we're just actually lacking in good, wholesome nutrition.
0: Absolutely. You've absolutely hit the nail on the head. Nutrition is probably the major factor. And the, the lifestyles we teach our children, a child shouldn't sit down to breakfast holding an iPhone in his hand, watching rubbish on the screen and munching food that's unhealthy for him. That is really the underlying root cause of ADHD, it's lack of proper stimulation of the midbrain of the striatum of the brain you're loading that midbrain with, with rubbish and you're not giving it the correct medication that it needs
2: i went to a doctor in pretoria a functional medicine doctor and he he showed me pictures and um, before pictures and after pictures of when a child had eaten sugar and then like the second picture obviously the child being off sugar for a couple of weeks and you couldn't tell it was the same child
0: absolutely you're quite correct people use sugar stimulants to stimulate themselves you know the problem with adhd doesn't arise now uh, the, prob- the problem the problem and the in recognition of this started in the 1930s when children started using dextrodrine to study They would take dexedrine tablets to stay up all night. The dexedrine would stimulate their dopamine. They would learn. They would do everything perfectly. But after doing this for three or four nights, they'd go into the exam. They'd write the exam and fall asleep in the middle of it because Mm -hmm. the brain then became exhausted. And this is really the big problem. We are overloading our brain with inappropriate material, and not nourishing our brains enough with correct material, which is the, the substances that Fagy is mentioning, that I'm mentioning, vitamins, iron. When we come to discuss another subject, uh breath-holding attacks, we find that iron is the main factor in promoting breath-holding in a child. And if you give iron, you usually stop the breath-holding attacks. You see, so Diet is important in every single facet of our lives and certainly as far as brain metabolism is concerned.
1: We're talking to Dr. Cussell. We're talking about ADHD. If you have a, um, a question or comment or some experience that you'd like to share with us, please feel free. 34519 is our SMS line. 61 our telegram number. This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You Show, and this is 101.9 High FM.
0: This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You Show with Adel Kosilski and Feige Stern.
1: We're talking about ADHD and all its ramifications. Um, Dr. Kassel, just with regard to medication, because there is the medication for parents who suffer with kids from ADHD You do see an improvement in how the child is able to learn and, and, um, function. My concern and, um, what, what, like I'm seeing now more even in, in the, in the generation, you know, um, today is that what happens is that, and this is my perception and for you to comment on is that sometimes they're so over medicated, then they start with the fact that the kid's not eating at all. So they're trying now to give them medications to supplement. In order for them to have an appetite because the, the medication does does uh, whats the name, switch off the, the the need to eat, so you, you you really got undernourished children so you start then giving a second medication um, to try and get them to eat then they also start becoming anxious so now you're giving them a third medication to try deal with the anxiety can you can you speak to that a bit?
0: Yes well let me talk a little bit about the drugs. Ritalin is a stimulant medication. It works simply by blocking the reuptake of dopamine in the brain. When the dopamine becomes low because it's being sucked up in the brain, Ritalin results in a blocking of this and it produces more dopamine at any given time, thus enhancing attention, focus, and impulse control. Concerta does exactly the same thing, except that it's longer-acting, and and also Strelitzer. Concerta acts over 8 to 12 hours. So all that Ritalin is doing is it's creating a false impression of cure. It's telling you that everything is right because you're being stimulated. It's the same as drug addicts taking LSD and various other things. But don't get me wrong, I'm not saying it's it's in that category. But also you take cocaine and opium and morphine and you'll feel good initially. Same with the Ritalin and Concerta. If you control the uptake of dopamine and you produce normal levels of dopamine in the brain, you will achieve what you call cure, but it's not cure because the underlying basic causes of the ADHD are still prevalent, and you're fighting against this. A child needs exercise. A child needs sport. A child needs socialization. A child needs to exercise his brain. A child needs to have the right messages going through the brain. Long before he wastes his time, uh, with, with all the rubbish that goes into the brain. And also, the Ritalin today is being used more discerningly by the people that are using it. They're stopping it at weekends. They're also stopping it in school holidays because they themselves are becoming concerned about the possible effects of Ritalin. It's never Don't a we- good thing, in my opinion to ignore the basic causes and to start with the medications before you know what the actual cause is. It's a fatal mistake in medicine to start treating something where you don't know the real cause.
1: We have a number of questions that have come in, uh, Dr. Castle. One um, listener wants to know, what is the link between ASD, which I assume they're, they're talking about autism spectrum disorder, and ADHD? Is there a link between the
0: two? Well, as you will realize from the talks that I've given previously, there are specific areas involved in specific things and in specific mental illnesses. The base of the brain is involved in Parkinson's. Autism is a spectrum that embraces uh, the, the child switching off, and that's a different area of the brain to the midbrain or the prefrontal cortex. It's a different area the brain gets involved. The mechanism is exactly the same. There's an interruption of brain impulses that pass along the fibers. In the case of Alzheimer's, it's amyloid deposits on your terminals of the transmitters, and you just cut cut off. But it's a different area of the brain altogether, the autism spectrum. It has nothing to do with impulsive behavior. It has nothing to do with the midbrain.
1: Okay, another question that's come in is uh, that uh, another listener says, please ask the doctor about Amphexa. I assume that's a drug, Amphexa.
0: I don't know what what the drug she's referring to.
1: Okay, so if uh, the listener is listening in, I'm sure you are, if you could just explain a little bit more. Could
0: enlighten um, us and tell us what it is.
2: Dr. Castle, I have a quick question and just to go back to the basics. We discussed before the show about um, the ideas of, like you discussed, the low iron, bad sleep habits. Um, You know, I think some children even struggle with their blood sugar dropping, which then, you know, displays as the inability to concentrate and have, like, hyperactivity because they're fidgety and kind of need their sugar to go back up. There are a lot of little things, you know, that we don't realize the kid is struggling with.
0: Absolutely, you're quite correct. It's lifestyle again. The way they eat, what they eat, don't eat processed foods, don't eat rubbish. Eat healthy foods, eat vitamins. Stimulate your brain correctly, exercise your brain correctly. Control the child's lifestyle in an appropriate way. Don't let the child sit for six or eight hours in a room watching TV. That's not controlling his lifestyle in an appropriate way. Let him exercise, let him socialize, let him use the brain for those activities. And when you start using the brain correctly, it's an electric box that has to be plugged into the correct terminals. That's exactly what it is. And ADHD, I'll I'll conclude because I probably want to u- ask other questions. In conclusion, it is important to stress that the diagnosis of ADHD should not be ever be made on unsubstantiated criteria. As I've said in this talk, ADHD has to be present, the symptoms that I've outlined, both in the school and at the home. And if it's missing in either, it's not a diagnosis of ADHD. The diagnosis of ADHD should not just be made flippantly. It's symptoms that come and are present over at least a six-month period, and that's the international acceptance now. And you don't just make a diagnosis of ADHD on something that might have happened at school and say that the child needs Ritalin. It's not the diagnosis. We know that Uh, dopamine is the main... Sorry, (laughs) I
1: apologise. Just talking on this Amphixa... I've looked it up, and um, we've got furthermore. It's a new drug now that apparently they're they're treating people um, who have ADHD. Um, um, It has uh, dexamphetamine sulfate, so it's also a psychostimulant, and it's supposed to improve activity in parts of the brain. So it's just I guess it's a new medication that's come on with ADHD. Um, I would. You, and I'm being very presumptuous here for you to correct me if I'm wrong. Again, this is maybe just looking at a different pathway, you know, to, to go and stimulate the brain. But the basis of what we're, what we're saying is, is that while there is the, you know, the, the need or the, the consideration of Ritalin or any one of these other drugs, what we're trying to say over here is that you need to look at the causes behind it before you get to, to giving, to giving the kids the drugs. We're gonna try, finish up that discussion. We just have to go for a little bit of a break. This is 101.9. Hi FM.
0: This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kazulski and Fagie Stern.
1: We only have a couple of minutes left and, um, Again, with no judgment to anybody out there, um, I too struggled with ADHD in in, in my family and its management. Um, you know, all these new drugs. Maybe new drugs are different a different pathway. I just happened to go and look uh, Google Google and see what the side effects of this new drug is. It says it may include mood swings, unusual aggression, hallucinations, delusions, paranoia, agitation, anxiety, feelings of guilt and depression. And I guess if you would look, look up Ritalin. Ostraterra or any, any, any of the other drugs, they would have the same thing. The point here and, um, doctor, maybe in your closing remarks is that there is so much that we can do before we come to this point where we need to consider or have to consider medication.
0: Absolutely. That's how I started. The art of medicine is knowing when not to prescribe. The medicine should come last and the medicine should only come once you have made a proper diagnosis, know the exact etiology, know the exact causes. And when you've dealt with the causes and the, what's causing it, you probably won't need medicines at all. And this yeah. applies to ADHD.
1: I just want to make one comment that that, that really struck, and I think I've, I've said it before on the show, I'm going to say it again. About a month and a half ago, I went away with, with, with a couple of my grandchildren Primary school and nursery school grandchildren. And we spent five days away from technology, five days away from the fast food shops. We ate healthily. The kids ran around. They did obstacle courses. They never even once asked, can they, can, can they, can they watch a video or can they watch things? And I have never seen them so stimulated, so happy, so focused. You know, and you'll take the same kids, bring them back again mm-hmm. into the environment where they're living and they're just, they just, they, they can't focus, they can't sit down, they don't want to do their homework, they don't want to do things. And it was just an interesting observation that once, as you said, Dr. Cussell, you give your, you, the, the children, um, you know, the, the, the environment that is healthy and that is stimulating for their brain and allowing them to, you know, to express themselves. I think school like, can also be a very stressful environment for, for a lot of children and sometimes it's it could be an answer
2: that the school's not the right school for the kid and they, and it's too, it's too much for them.
0: Yeah. And don't clog up the brain with harmful messages. Get the right messages to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This has been an incredible conversation. Uh, just very quickly, um, one, one more listener said that, that the autism spectrum disorder and the ADHD have often occur together for him and that while He's never taken Ritalin as a child. He has chosen to use it as an adult. It does help a lot. Again, we are qualifying, and we are not denying that Ritalin and all these drugs do have a positive effect. We're saying, though, that there is a much bigger, bigger picture and a much bigger conversation to be had. And, um, yes, if it is of of necessity, then we do have these drugs. But there is a lot that we can do to mitigate the use um, or, or the frequency um, of using these drugs. Again, thank you, Dr. Castle. We love having you on. We look forward to having you again. Um, and thank you for all your expertise and your knowledge. It always enlightens us, and we appreciate your time.
0: That's a great pleasure, and I enjoy doing this. And uh, I hope we've elucidated a few of the problems for our listeners and stuck to the motto of our show which is the Healthy You, Healthy Me, We Show.
1: Yes, thank you so much. This is the Healthy You, Healthy You Show, and we'll be back again next week. As always, if you want a, a, a topic to be discussed, you can send an email to info at fmcom and we will definitely try to look at it on a much broader perspective. Also a reminder that Faggy and I run a WhatsApp group every day. We just drop you a little thought. It's actually our thoughts that motivate us which we hope to motivate you. It's run and by admin, so there's no spam. You can just keep it on silent. Look when you want to. If you want to join that, info at dot Just send an email there with your name and your number, and we will gladly join you. With that, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you. Edel. Thank, thank you,
2: Dr. Castle.
1: And everybody else, have a wonderful week ahead.